the idea is, is we have to learn to feel our feelings and accept them, which is the opposite of what we're taught. We're taught to suppress, avoid, judge, limit, erase, all of that. And instead we're saying, feel those sensations in your body. Oh, you feel anxious, your, your chest is getting tight. Don't run away from it, sit with it, look at it, embrace it. Tell yourself, it's okay to feel this. Notice it, stay with it, be mindful of it. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and less than 25% of women are breaking the C-suite glass ceiling. And our team at CEO School is on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who are breaking the statistics, as well as women well on their way sharing how they defied the odds so that you can do it too. If you are an ambitious woman who wants to create a life of impact through financial freedom, self-growth, and find confidence in your voice, grab a seat because class is officially in session. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here, and I'm so excited to announce a new giveaway and contest for all of our incredible listeners. All you have to do is leave us a review on why you love this show and you will randomly be selected to participate in a one-on-one coaching session with yours truly. One-on-one, just me and you, and we're going to deep dive into whatever topic you want to deep dive into. We're going to catapult your business to the next level. We're going to start that next idea of yours. We're going to break everything down into a private one-on-one session, me and you. And all you have to do is leave a review down below. That's it. Leave us a review. Tell us why you love the show. And every four weeks, we're selecting a brand new participant for this giveaway. And so do not miss your chance. It's literally the odds are hundred percent in your favor. Leave a review down below. I cannot wait to select you for a private one-on-one coaching session. Let's do this. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone. I have like a colored marker in my hand. I am so excited for today's workshop and our live fireside chat with Tiffany Rowe, who is the OG Instagram therapist. And I can't tell you how excited I am about this for so many reasons. So before I introduce her, um, I'm going to give it a, a minute before we kind of let everybody just kind of settle in. It's funny, Tiffany, on like Zoom tardiness, like there's no forgiveness anymore. Like you can walk into a meeting room, like, you know, three minutes, not even late, but just like three minutes tardy and that's acceptable. But now on Zoom, it's like, 30 seconds, like, where are you? It's changed kind of the culture of the work environment, right? Yeah, I think so much for the good, but also so much for the mind too, to constantly be on camera. And it's exhausting to, especially for those that like are not back in office yet. It's hard to connect. Like I will say we went back to the office in July. I was still going into the office. We had like people that were like once there, we don't have like a vax and vax kind of thing. We're just, but Florida is pretty open. But I think once the vaccines did start to come out, I felt like people were more open to come in. So we kind of came back into the office in July and I feel like it was weird in the beginning. And then now it's like completely back to normal. It's like, you forgot what other life was like outside of it and how quickly you can go back to like adopting, like collaboration is better. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's been a lot more fun, but there are advantages. Like I work from home today and I was like, okay, I needed to like come back into the private space. So it's, I like this hybrid model is what I love right now coming back. What about you? 
Yeah, I like the hybrid as well. There's actually a at least a piece of why it's so hard to connect online. There's a psychological explanation for that. When I started doing therapy solely on Zoom in 2020, I was exhausted and I have never been exhausted by therapy. It gives me the opposite effect. It fills me up. And what I discovered was the human nervous system does something that's called co-regulation when you're in person with someone, like Hmm. you're reading your body language and energetically and your nervous system helps calm down the other person and you mirror. And when you have a screen, there's so many things you have to attend to. It's a lot harder to make eye contact and feel, and you don't get that co-regulation. It is literally exhausting in a way that we weren't really aware of until the pandemic. So yeah, like this in-person shift is going to feel so enlivening because we're not having to work as hard to stay attuned through the screen. It's a real thing. No, it definitely is a real thing. And one of my friends sent me a tip and she's like, there's times you're just on all day long. And she's like, turn off your, and I just did it right now. I just pinned your video. So I highly recommend everyone do it. Cause we tend to look at our faces naturally, just like if you have a mirror or you look at a photo, we're naturally going to gravitate towards looking at ourselves. And so when you have a speaker view up and you see yourself in that gallery view without knowing it, the brain is subconsciously looking at yourself, which takes a different level of energy. So it's computing while like making sure you look okay, your teeth are okay. Like you're making sure you're fine without thinking about it. So that's like additional brain level stress versus like removing your self view and just looking at the person that you're talking to. So your brain like turns that off because you don't do that in person. Yeah. You'll get to like, look at yourself in person. So I really liked that piece of advice for zoom. Anyway, I'm excited to get the party started and I feel like, Sophia, we should have turned up like the, we needed a house DJ for this <laughs> guest of honor today, because I will tell you the number one reason why I'm so excited to bring Tiffany as our wonderful fireside chat guest this month. Not only is she a dear friend, not only is she a badass entrepreneur who's just built incredible things. who has been part of our 2.0 program. She is literally the coolest person to follow on Instagram, like outside of like her ridiculous accolades, her incredible podcast show, the thousands of people that she cures with her work every day. She brings joy into my life every single day. So first and foremost, I want you to take action and follow Tiffany Rowe on Instagram and what, and I kid you not. And if every time you see her post, you, you, you need to DM me to let me know how much joy it's creating in your life. Because Tiffany, you create so much joy with your dance moves and you're really great at it. Honestly, you're an incredible dancer, but you like make therapy cool. And that's your brand. You are the OG, the cool therapist of Instagram. You put therapy on the map on Instagram itself. So I think that's so badass. So Tiffany is the founder of so many different brands and companies, but of Tiffany wrote the the brand itself. And she has a podcast called Feel deal heal and incredible just merchandise on just therapy itself. She just normalizes and makes therapy normal, which I appreciate. And I think it's so badass. So Tiffany, welcome to CEO school. I should hang up now because I don't think it gets any better than that intro. Sunny. Thank you. I mean, every piece of it coming from my heart. I'm so excited to have you. Let's share with the audience. I'd love for you to kick off your story. Tell them who you are. I can never do the intro justice. Tell everybody who you are and why these women should be paying attention to you today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. My purpose is to empower women. So I am so excited to sit with you and to chat with the amazing attendees at this fireside. 
I have been a therapist for over a decade, well over a decade now, and I got into the mental health field following my own recovery from an eating disorder in my early 20s and wanted to help women have empowerment related to food, body, mind, mental health, and now business and all these other things I do. I started off with a really traditional therapy job, though I never fit the mold. I got a lot of feedback that maybe my personality wasn't the right fit to be a therapist, that I was supposed to be subdued and introverted and quiet and wear like a cardigan and like nod my head. And so I just tried to fit this mold of like being a therapist. I had a private practice with a hand-me-down futon and was just marketing on Psychology Today, a pretty like general marketing place for therapists. And one day while I was teaching at the local university, some psychology courses, I was walking to my next class and I had this moment and I just said, F it. I want to speak to my ideal client. I'm going to get on Instagram. This is scary. Maybe I'll lose my license, but I know the ethics. I'm going to follow the rules. And I hopped on Instagram and I said, hey, if your pants don't fit, buy new pants. That's my therapy thought. And it blew up. So therapy thoughts began. That's the podcast name. Sorry. It's therapy thoughts, right? The podcast is the called podcast therapy, therapy thoughts. thoughts. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of things that's confusing. So I started sharing therapy thoughts on Instagram and within three months I had a two-year wait list for clients wanting to work. Mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. And then I just grew from there. I started an online course. We've made over seven figures with my online courses alone. Passively. We have my podcast therapy thoughts. We just hit a million downloads We have retreats. I have a membership. I own a group practice with 15 therapists. We saw 865 clients last month. We have a lot of branches of my business. I do consulting. I do business consulting. Still a couple coaching sessions here and there because therapy is my passion. But yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I love supporting women. I love changing the mental health game. So that's kind of a bit of what I do. You are goals, ladies. She is absolutely goals. You are like everything that I personally aspire to be from like a brand perspective. I love that you are so authentic in what you do. And I love that you're an entrepreneur at the end of the day, right? So it's like you've taken your passion for what you actually truly love to do. And it's your calling. You're so good at it, but you've been able to find a way to completely break the traditional mold of how it's supposed to be done and then creating such joy around it through your brands and through therapy thoughts, a million downloads. That is so epic. We are literally at the cusp of that right now at CO school. And I think it's just so truly badass that you're able to do everything. And you are literally the definition of a woman that I call like truly having it all right? Truly having it all. And you're an incredible mom. Like I love following your family online and you're like an amazing wife and you're, you just came back from your badass trip from Europe and (laughs) cool tattoos. And and I'm like, I'm like barely keeping up. And I think it's, it's so fun. And I will tell you that this sits on my desk every single day, grab your feel deal heal affirmation cards because I'll open it up. So, you know, I'll be at my, my desk and I'll shuffle my cards and let's see what today's card says it says it's okay for me to say no wow Mm. and that is always and it's a perfect it's such a reminder of something that i need in that day so i absolutely love it let's give a 10 percent discount code to like your listeners i know we'll use this on your podcast as well but use ceo school will give you 10 percent off i have merch i didn't even mention that isn't that like the life of an entrepreneur like you forget complete branches of your business (laughs) 
oh yeah, we have apparel and a card deck. Like you can check those out. Check those out. They're really cool. I know it's so funny. I think merch is like, you know, you've made it when you don't remember your merch line. Like I always think about our merch stuff right now. And people always ask us for all of the things that go inside of our box. And Sophie and I are literally, we're just talking like, man, we got it. We've been needing to get our merch line up, but it's like the last thing on our mind because we have like so much business to do and like so many things we need to serve, but I love it. And thank you so much for that code. We'll be linking it everywhere. So don't worry if you missed it. We will definitely do that. Okay. So Tiffany, so you have had all of the success. You completely broke the mold into an industry that was male dominated, very boring. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs in the room that are just different, right? Like you are just different. You really embraced being you. Is there something that kind of like takes you back or a story that takes you back that you can share that may inspire some of the women here to just be themselves and to to like, to go for it, especially in these industries that we are told to be a certain way, which is practically almost all of them. Yes. I'm really passionate about this specifically because it was transformational. It is why I am successful. My advice is simple. Be yourself. Embrace your unique set of qualities and characteristics that make you human and make you relatable. Now, in my field as a therapist, that is the opposite of my training. We are literally trained to be a blank slate, no personality, don't show up, don't like cut yourself apart. And the day I decided to put on my leopard coat and be myself and have my personality again, my business trajectory. Overnight, like I said, I had a wait list that was years long within three months. And I see this in the consulting I do. When you embrace yourself, your imperfection, your humanity, and you double down on your strengths, people want that. We don't want this carbon copy, fake, robotic, corporate model. We want relatability. And our ideal clients are seeking mirrors of themselves. So unapologetically be yourself in your marketing and in your business. And that is going to change the game, no matter your field. I love it. And it's so true, right? But it's, why is it so hard for us now as a therapist, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to be picking your brain across both of them. So you're a business coach and a therapist. Like this is gold right here, women. Like this is absolutely gold. What stops us from being ourselves in the first place? Like, what do you see? Even if we recognize it, even if we want to go for it, what are some things that you see? I know you coach a lot of women as well. What are some things that you're seeing that, you know, maybe you can share with us that we can kind of stop that limiting belief right away? Yeah. And I love that you called it a limiting belief. I think step one is awareness that this is a belief I have picked up and it doesn't mean it's universal truth. It is a self-defeating belief. And within like the business training world, we say, what's the right way to do this? There is a step-by-step process or a system that you should follow to be successful. And when we say be yourself, that's an X factor. There's not a perfect system or way to like scale or put that in an SOP necessarily. It's like be honest and authentic and aligned with your values. And that's kind of a fluffy, intuitive thing. So I think that's scary in the world of business where you want to measure and have objective things to like look at and to scale, right? So when I say There isn't a right way. The right way is to be yourself and to lean into your values, your strengths, your why, and to double down on those traits. That's subjective. And if we get rejected or we fail or we get trolls or whatever it is that our fears are, 
it feels harder when we are showing up authentically as a business owner. So that's a normal fear. So I would say, be aware, write down the fears that you have. Like, what if people attack me or don't buy my stuff? Or what if this launch flops? All of it. if, If that all happens and saying, well, being me is my purpose. And I can't be anything else. So you have to just live in the reality that being yourself is going to attract your ideal client and get you to where as good as your business can be and challenging the fears and recognizing that where your resistance lies, your power awaits. So going towards those and facing those, you know what, we're all afraid, but you just do it anyway and you do it as yourself. That's your superpower. I agree with that. I think that that is solid, solid advice. And that is entrepreneurship, right? It's like going for it. And the ones that are successful are there's, there isn't that overnight success. Like there truly isn't. And the ones that have the overnight success, like, you know, we watch it on Instagram. We're seeing all the TikTok entrepreneurs come about, like we have a six figure business. We have a million. It doesn't last right? It's, it doesn't last like the rarity of it lasting. I remember watching a keynote from the founder of Angie's list. She's a woman. And she talked about her overnight success story of like, all of a sudden Angie's list was everywhere. Like we didn't know the brand. And then it was like all over, everybody was using Angie's list. And she talked about that. My overnight success was like 12 years making before people even like knew who the hell Angie was right. And are using Angie's list. And so I do think that that is the true definition of like where entrepreneurship, it's that ability to go for it. It's ability to know the fear is going to be there. God, man, like even right now, there's probably moments that even you have all the success. I have all the success and I still feel scared every single day about something else. Like I still have to work on myself. I still need the affirmation cards. I still need to journal. I still need to, you know, I literally need to calm myself before I hop on another stage, right? It's a journey. It's not just like this like thing that happens. Can you talk about the journey a bit? And I know you're a huge proponent of, I'd love to like really dive into the feel, deal, heal process. And what is the difference between like coaching and therapy and how do you heal and what do you deal with? So I'd love to kind of dig into that right now. Okay. So should we just talk about like feel, deal, heal and how that's part of the process and entrepreneurship? Does that feel good? That feels awesome. So I coined this phrase, feel, deal, heal, as kind of like the framework that I use for therapy. And it has applied to like all branches of my business as well as entrepreneurship. The idea is, is we have to learn to feel our feelings and accept them, which is the opposite of what we're taught. We're taught to suppress, avoid, judge, limit, erase, all of that. And instead we're saying, feel those sensations in your body. Oh, you feel anxious, your your chest is getting tight. Don't run away from it. Sit with it. Look at it. Embrace it. Tell yourself it's okay to feel this. Notice it. Stay with it. Be mindful of it. And there's a lot of ways to do that. And then deal is essentially how to cope with those feelings, befriending them. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to use skills from like my emotional regulation course, like put my legs up on a wall and do deep belly breathing. I'm going to do my affirmations. I'm going to journal. I'm going to take a cold shower. Like there's a million things we can do to deal with the emotions and regulate our emotional state, which we have to do every single day as an entrepreneur. Like I can't think of anything harder than owning a business and keeping it going. And then the healing is this ongoing process of learning, unlearning. You messed up, you fired someone impulsively, you blew it, you lost your cool during a meeting. We learn, we unlearn, we set boundaries, we apologize, we take accountability. Like healing is this ongoing transformation 
that is possible because we're feeling and dealing. And so whether this is just your mental health and you don't own a business, it's crucial. But as an entrepreneur, it's not like Sunira and I are like, cool, we've arrived. We don't have to try anymore. Every day I have to work on my mindset so I don't pop off. So I don't get that scarcity mindset. So I don't let fear dictate me. So I stay grounded and can hear my intuition, which is my best business asset. Like we feel deal heal that only helps us be better entrepreneurs, better moms, better partners, better sisters, whatever that is. I love that. So this is, it's so true in all aspects, right? I never thought about it that way. It's first just like feeling it. And you're right. Your body does give you all of the signs, right? I think like, you know, something like it's just in our, in our, like we're, our physiological state will tell us because we're, this is what our bodies are supposed to do. This is what our brains are supposed to do. It's fight or flight, right? So we're adapting to what's happening in any given situation, our defenses, our defensiveness. This is something that I've learned so much about. And I, I, and I'm not a therapist and I'm not a healing coach in, in that regard, but I've done so much work on myself that I feel like I've learned so much through this. And something that I didn't realize is that part of there's defenses that show up even in us and that feeling that we just need to pay attention to. Yeah. And then once you're aware of it and you talk about dealing, I love that you said, it's like, you do have, you have to deal with that. And there are ways to, I think like in hindsight, when you like think about how you reacted in a situation or whatever, hindsight's always 2020. And when you're dealing with it in that moment, Sometimes we don't get the opportunity to pull ourselves out, but if we can actually deal with the feel is what I'm hearing and pull ourselves out, go take that cold shower, turn off, go for a walk, write down yourself, do the meditation and just collect our thoughts again. We can come back with like what we wish we had done in that situation versus just acting in that situation. So I love the feel. I love the deal. And I love most importantly, what you just said about healing as it's that journey and you have to continually learn and unlearn. And we all make mistakes. Like we are human. We are supposed to err. We're supposed to err. And I think that like the entrepreneurs and even just people in general that I want to be around are the people that have that growth mindset, that have that heal mindset, that are okay to have hard conversations, that are okay to, you know, take accountability and to apologize where needed. And it's on us too. I really believe, Tiffany, that every single situation is co-created. Every situation is co-created in business, in our world. So whatever circumstance you're in, or even that employee that you just fired, you gave that example, it's a co-created event, right? It's, it's something that this person did, but it's also something that you did. Maybe you didn't train hard enough or you didn't. So it's important to have that level of accountability and having those hard conversations and then reflecting back on yourself and that growth part of it to actually heal and say, what can I do better next time? So I don't, fuck it up for my next employee. Right. Uh, and what can I do to be a better leader? And I think that this part of the entrepreneurial journey is something that I really focus on. And this is something that I'm obsessed with teaching in leadership that I think is so missing from like business fundamentals. What are your thoughts there on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you've heard me talk about some of these stats Sunira, um, when I was a member of like your training, but entrepreneurs are particularly vulnerable to mental health struggles. And if we're not feeling, dealing, healing and looking at ourselves and reflecting and growing the pressure and the loneliness and the isolation and the hustle will negatively impact our mental health. We know that 45% of entrepreneurs report being stressed compared to 42% of other workers. 
And we know that there are higher rates of depression. 30% of entrepreneurs are dealing with depression compared to 15% of the normal population. 29% of us, has, of us have ADHD compared to 5% of the normal population. Addiction, we have higher levels of addiction, 12% compared to 4%. Bipolar disorders, mood disorders, 11% compared to 1%. We have this exposure to chronic stress which can lead to memory loss and anxiety and irritability and depression and substance abuse and social withdrawal, insomnia and suicidality. We hear about these like brilliant celebrity, successful entrepreneurs who die by suicide because this is a really stressful world to be in. It's isolating. It's scary. And so when I talk about feeling, dealing, healing, we need to treat that like a crucial piece of our business. Our mental health is crucial for our business's success. Our business will not make it if we don't make it. And so that means we go to therapy, we take medication, we take self-care days, we cut ourselves slack, we ask for help. And when we blow it, we don't beat ourselves up. We learn, oh gosh, yeah, how do I train better? How could I have prepared for that termination better? Or what can I do so I don't pop off next time? Compassion, working on ourselves, because otherwise the stats are pretty clear. We know that 60% of entrepreneurs will suffer from stroke in their lifetime. It's a really high stress world that we live in and we have to get our own backs and support our mental health. Otherwise the business won't make it. The statistics are mind boggling. I mean, these are, I know we had chatted about this briefly, but the 60%, I mean, these are astronomically high numbers. Why do you see that, right? So it makes sense, right? We're in chronic stress all the time there. It is so lonely. Like you mentioned the fact that entrepreneurship is so lonely and that's why community is so important, right? This is such a big part of it. You know, what are some things that entrepreneurs can do now? So I, you know, I love that you're bringing awareness to this and I couldn't agree with you more. It's okay to take a break. And a lot of that, it's in, we're, it's in our own mind, right? We're like, as entrepreneurs, we're in constant state of comparison. We're in constant state of like what everybody else is doing versus just intrinsically even asking ourselves of why we began this in the first place. Like uh, I have found myself numerous times in that situation. I continually find myself in that situation. There's so many things that add to the reason. So I understand the reasoning. I think we can all understand as entrepreneurs here today, listening but how do you find that balance in that burnout? Like what are some tools and what are some things that you recommend immediately? You said, take therapy. What are some things that we can do to be healing in yeah. this situation so that we can bring that statistic to at least normalize that statistic? What are your thoughts there on bridging that gap? Yeah, I love that question. And Sunir, you had actually already mentioned this, which speaks to your focus on mental health in your own life and your business is regulating our nervous system. If you are in fight or flight or freeze or fawn as like the nervous system responses, it's our job to learn to tune into that and to make sure we are regulating. So I think of it like a thermometer and I actually have a free download on my website that shows you a thermometer, the signs that you are dysregulated and hyper aroused, anxious, angry, overwhelmed, burnt out, or hypo aroused, depressed, numb, frozen. And it gives you specific skills for each state that you may be in and how to cope with that. Examples might be if I'm in fight or flight and I am panicked and I'm overwhelmed, we've all been there as entrepreneurs. I need to do things to calm down my nervous system. So I'm going to turn off all screens. I'm going to dim the lights. I'm going to listen to calm music. I'm going to smell lavender oil, not because lavender oil has like evidence-based backup, but because smell is the most powerful route to overriding 
anxiety and trauma in our brain. So maybe I'll smell, yeah, maybe I'll smell my son's baby blanket because there's an emotional connection to that smell and it'll relax my nervous system or a freezing cold shower, or I'm going to eat some food. I'm going to put my legs up on a wall, like a yoga pose. I'm laying on the ground, my legs up on the wall. I'm going to do slow, deep belly breaths. And my favorite trick is I'm going to double my exhale. So for example, I'm going to breathe in for five seconds and exhale for 10. Those are the types of things that I wish we all freaking knew, but unfortunately you only learn that stuff in therapy that will heal your nervous system, get you back into a grounded place and help you cope. That's what we need to be doing every single day. And there's things you can do every morning. Like meditation is research-based effective. Meditate for five minutes every day. And that will help you, right? Getting sunshine, drinking water, getting enough sleep. And then of course, things like medication, therapy, maybe you have a yoga class, maybe you're exercising. Like it's the holistic, continual things that you do, the habits that you have that will make or break your mental health. That's how we cope. I love that. And by the way, I love the breathing exercises. Where can we learn more from you on that, on these topics? So my website is tiffanyrow.com, R-O-E. And I have, I think, 15 online courses. One course that I highly recommend for everyone, it's my most popular course, is my emotional regulation course. And it teaches okay. you, there's like a 35-page workbook of just coping skills. And then I have a free download there, the window of tolerance thermometer, the thermometer I described. So I have free resources. My podcast, you can listen to a lot of free episodes there. Again, the podcast is called Therapy Thoughts. But whether you want a course to learn skills or listen, there's different avenues if you're not in therapy, for sure, invest in your mental health in these types of ways. I love it. I even like distracted myself on like needing to go to the website to make sure we, we share that link with everybody. And this morning I actually did a podcast today. So I was in recording session this morning and I talked about the power of habit and the power of habit and not just adding things to our life. So this morning I woke up, sometimes I feel like working out is a chore for me. And I think most of us might feel that way because it's not some, it's not something I naturally enjoy. I'm not like a natural athlete. And when I mentally put it as, as a way of tour, and I know I have to do it to like stay healthy. I want to stay healthy. So I, this is something that I've, I'm committed to doing when I have to wake up bright and early for a workout. I like dread it. I'm like setting up and I'm like, okay, until I like see one of my friend, I usually have accountability partners to keep me going. And today I didn't have an accountability partner and I just said, and I woke up actually 30 minutes prior to when I usually go work out. So I woke up at like five 30 this morning, got myself out of bed, put my workout clothes on. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a buddy to go with today. I'm just going to have a cup of coffee. So I just like made a cup of coffee and I held that cup of coffee and I drank this hot cup of coffee all by myself. And it was so quiet in the house. Even this, I was like afraid the Nespresso machine was going, cause when I'm up, I'm like sneakers on out of the house, like really quiet. And so I'm like, Oh my God, someone's going to wake up. This Nespresso machine was like so loud to me in my brain. And I sat down and I didn't take it in a to-go mug. Like I actually put it in a mug today. And like, it sounds, it sounds so silly, but I drink the entire cup of coffee. What happens for me most mornings is like, I don't ever finish that first cup of coffee. Like it's always like, I'm getting ready. I'm out, I'm out. And then I get to the office and then I have a cup of coffee. And then I, I just like, it's just not there. I enjoyed that cup of coffee today by just sitting there in peace, in quiet. And then I looked at my watch and it was only 545. And so then I was like, you know what, let me go for the run. And I did my, I feel like a two mile run by myself today. I was happy as a clam. It didn't feel like a workout. I didn't have an accountability buddy, but my mood shift, like my mood shift was so different 
And I came back and I felt so compelled, like after I get the, get the kids out to share this on the podcast. And what I was going with it is one, I wasn't a runner. So for me, I just picked this up, but now it's kind of become a habit. And I was thinking about habits and how, when we try to do so much, when we create these like obscene lists of stuff to do like morning routine, right? Like you just listed off like all of these things that we could do. Then we pile up as like overachieving entrepreneurs that we are. We're like, we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to do a five minute meditation. And I'm going to do breathing exercises and I'm going to turn upside down and I'm going to listen to, you know, the podcast. And then I'm going to, you know, do all of this, all of this stuff. We fail after three days yeah. versus just picking like one thing, just picking that one thing to say, okay, incrementally, I'm going to add And then I love the word that you said, it becomes a habit and you don't think about it anymore. And then it just becomes part of your lifestyle. Whatever you said, the thing that makes you round to say that's the yoga, it's the, it's the therapy, it's the thing, it's all of the things. And we can't just compress them all to say, here's this to-do list to heal. It needs to be part of our lifestyle. And I had this like weird epiphany of like, it can be if we do it incrementally. And I saw it happen for me today where I did that run without that forceful feeling, just because I took 10 minutes of just being calm and being like, you know what? And I enjoyed it. So that's my little session for this morning. Goals. I love that. And I love how intuitive that was like, what feels good. And this feels good for me. And what do I need right now? And just space and time to reflect and to know how to meet your needs, which that's what self-care is. Self-care means, you know, and meet your needs. And in this morning, a cup of coffee was self-care that run was self-care that pause and that deep breath can be self-care. So I think, yeah. And also the, the ego is going to say, do this all tomorrow. And I'm going to do this perfectly and overhaul my life. And it's okay to say baby steps today. My goal is to walk in nature because the studies have found that you're going to be more attentive and happier and present. If you do that. I love that. We have a question from our audience member. I love to bring up here. She asked, what if you don't feel like doing the deal when you're so in the feel? Perfect question. Feeling, dealing, healing doesn't mean we're like lotus position 24 seven, like feeling our anxiety 10 out of a 10, not healthy, not recommended, not possible. What it does mean is we're making more of an effort to be aware of our emotions and to take on our emotions. So the general trajectory would be most of the time I can tune into my emotions and feel and deal with them. However, there are times where it's not realistic or possible or helpful to feel our emotions. For example, let's say you are really, really tired and cranky and you had a fight with your partner and you're crying and you have to do a presentation or speak or something. You need to get your shit together in that moment. It's not the time to just like feel and deal. So we're going to distract. Now, distraction is part of feeling and dealing because it's intentional. Distraction is different than avoidance in the fact that distraction is intentional. And the intent is to, I'm going to try to decrease this emotional intensity really quickly so I can focus and do my job at hand. And I'll deal with this later when I don't have to present or speak or whatever. So you can use some skills to distract, whether that's my favorite one is you put your hands on your pants. I'll stand up so you can see and you rub the top of your thighs. Why don't y'all try that with me? This is free therapy. So you rub the top of your pants and why don't you tell me, Sunny, we'll use you as the example. What's the texture of your pants feel like? I'm wearing a sweater dress, but it feels fluffy and warm. And it's like kind of feeling warm. Okay, cool. Do you feel the temperature already? What's the sensation like on your palms? It feels nice and smooth. And it's kind of a little awkward because I'm like bending over right now. Mm -hmm. And there's like, 
a hundred of you watching me do this. Um, <laughs> it feels good. I'm like rubbing my legs. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I rubbed my legs. Yeah. Are you noticing, is it getting numb yet? No, but I can see it's kind of like, kind of getting annoying now. Like, yeah. It's like, okay. okay. Notice that. And notice how like the heat is changing or starts getting numb. It's notice- like, mm-hmm. it's like frictiony now. Yeah. Yeah. And notice how it feels different, like on your thighs versus your palms. Just noticing. Okay. What are you thinking about? Oh my God. I'm not even thinking about anything right now. You're welcome. That is the magic. (laughs) I thought I was going to fail that answer. I'm like, oh my God, when I'm not thinking about anything, I was just thinking about all your questions and just like, I'm just thinking about my pants. Yeah. So that's a grounding skill. What we're doing. (laughs) Okay. I passed. (laughs) All the perfectionists in the room are like, am I doing it right? That's what I'm wondering. Yes. Yes. But Okay. So that funny little mental health skill, I've done that like before big presentation, if I'm like emotional or if I'm upset, what you're doing is grounding and you're forcing your prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of your brain, the rational part of your brain to think it's forcing you to describe texture and temperature and sensation. And it's forcing you to be present in this moment, instead of your amygdala being like, holy crap, me and my partner are going to fight and what am I going to do? And I have this deadline. It forces you to be right here right now. And that skills like that of grounding and mindfulness have helped me cope with the feelings when they're too strong and I have to function. And then I can say, I'll deal with this. I'll have a conversation later. I'll repair. I'll set boundaries when I'm not about to get on stage. And so there's a lot of skills of I can distract and I can kind of put my feelings in a box to address them at another time. The goal is not to be like, I'm going to just drink this away and never, ever feel my feelings or F this. I don't care. I'm just going to avoid everyone and like never get out of bed. We want to have a better relationship with our feelings, deal with it healthfully, distract when we need to and build our tool belt so we can manage the complexity of being human. So that's my answer to that. And I hope that skill helps you. I love that you described it as a tool set. So I'm going to share something really vulnerable. I don't, I've never been in a position. Nobody's ever asked me. I've never had therapy, by the way. I don't think that I've had actual from a licensed therapist or licensed psychologist that I've had actual like therapy. I've had a lot of coaching yeah. uh, and I think there's a, there's a stick. I grew up around a stigma. So yeah. I am South Asian. I'm Pakistani. We deal with our feelings by talking, like yelling at our families. Like that's therapy, right? My mom's my there, or I'm her therapist. I do want to talk about the stigma in therapy and I've changed. I've learned so much about growth and needing help and having that support and talking through things. And I have a coach and I'd love your thoughts on one, the stigma, and then two, even, or just maybe start with even describing the difference between the therapy versus coaching. You know, I think many, many of our listeners may not that are coming from different cultural backgrounds, like may not have had even therapy or how do you know when you're supposed to go? And so I have lots of questions on like, what is therapy versus coaching? And then two, let's talk about the stigma. And I don't know if as a therapist and a coach, what are you seeing in the world today? I wrote the list. So I'm going to hit each of these three topics. Okay. Let's start with the stigma first. So stigma is like this reproach and disgust towards certain characteristics. And we have that towards mental illness in our society. We have that towards emotions in our culture, and our society worldwide. We don't like this idea of feeling. It feels out of control. It feels weak. We judge it. And so all of us, you know, have different cultural backgrounds, but I think it's a pretty common theme to be like, emotion is bad. 
mental illness is bad. This is scary. I don't understand it. So the stigma of therapy is very pervasive. I'm personally on a mission to destroy it. That's why I started the therapy is cool movement and have gear and apparel that says that because we need to start breaking that stigma. So the stigma is widespread because we have no education around mental health. So we're ignorant. We just think, oh, mentally ill people like shoot people, right? Like that's what they do. They're dangerous. Whereas I'm a mentally ill person. I have ADHD. I have anxiety. I've recovered from an eating disorder, like high functioning, smart, successful, cool, relatable, fun people deal with mental illness. We all, every single human, 7 billion of us deals with symptoms of mental illness. It's just a matter of degree. Now, some of us have full-blown diagnosable mental health issues, and some of those are severe, some are less severe, but all of us have those to a degree. Like every single person here has felt the anxiety emotion. Now, do you have a full-blown anxiety disorder? Maybe, maybe not, but we all deal with it. So that's one piece of fighting the stigma is getting educated. You know, I wish we had mental health education, just like we have physical education in schools, like basics, learning how to deal with mental illness and building mental health. Another way that we can fight stigma and start to challenge this is promoting personal contact. One in five Americans deals with mental illness. And when there's the stigma, we avoid it. I wish instead that when someone like gets out of a psychiatric hospital, which is happens to people we know all the time, or someone has a panic attack, we take them a casserole, just like we would with someone dealing with a cold, you know, like we start normalizing mental health struggles, just like physical struggles. So personal contact and talking about this will help us break that stigma. We want to change our language around mental illness and mental health, change the stigma as well. Like, have you ever said that person looks so anorexic or the weather's so bipolar? We use these words as adjectives and really they're super debilitating struggles that people have. Even stuff like I'm so OCD when really what you're saying is I like to clean. We start to get educated and be careful about how we speak about things because it stigmatizes and stereotypes mental health. The other thing I would say is talk openly. When I tell people I have a therapist, I take Zoloft for my anxiety I deal with ADHD. It's why I'm such a successful entrepreneur, to be honest. And we open up people are like, wait, but you're a therapist and you struggle. I'm like, yes, of course, because I am a human. If we all talked openly, that would banish the stigma. I mean, that's what stigma is. And that's how we fight stigma. Let's shift into therapy versus coaching. Now, part of the stigma is getting help for it because we're so ashamed. We have so much shame around mental illness Whereas therapy is now this, like, we don't talk about it. It's confidential. I don't want to admit I'm in it. That must mean I'm crazy or weak. That's stigma. None of that is true. If you have a doctor, a massage therapist, a chiropractor, a freaking physical therapist, you have someone who waxes you or like does your nails. Why can't you have a professional who's trained in mental health as well? Someone to listen, to validate, to teach you the skills that I've taught you today in just an informal, you know, venue. Therapy simply means you have a professional who specializes in mental health and can support you in your mental health goals. Therapy means you value mental health. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means this is important to you and you want to have great mental health. And I respect nothing more. So therapy is, hey, if we have to differentiate therapy from coaching, therapy is you have to have at least a master's degree to be a therapist. You are specialized in mental health. You diagnose people, you assess people, and you treat mental illness. So 
when I'm doing coaching, what I say is you're not going to get a diagnosis. I can't give you therapy or do therapy models. So I'm not going to give you cognitive behavior therapy. I'm not going to give you dialectical behavior therapy. I'm not going to give you EMDR for your trauma. If you're doing coaching, it's not mental illness based. It's not diagnosis based. It's not a medical model. It's a lot more informal and educational. Like I can teach you communication skills. I can teach you business skills. I can teach you how to set boundaries. You know, we can talk about things that aren't as severe, whereas therapy, I'm like, if you have an eating disorder, if you have ADHD or generalized anxiety, or you need meds, or you want to achieve certain goals that are related to mental health, I would recommend therapy over coaching. And I do both. I have a coach and a therapist, both helping with mental illness. And we have different goals. The coach is a lot more fluff. The therapy is a lot harder. (laughs) It's a lot more intense. So that's how you differentiate the two. I like both, but a lot of coaches are probably practicing outside of their scope of practice and doing things they're not actually trained to do. So watch out for that. If someone's doing therapy-ish stuff, consult with a real therapist because, you know, if you're suicidal, for example, you shouldn't be working with a coach. Make sure you're working with a therapist. I recommend both. Therapy is cool. The good thing about therapy is therapy can do everything coaches can do, but coaches can't do everything a therapist can do. So think about it that way. That's so interesting. I I really love that delineation and the difference between the two because I do feel like I've had coaching and you're right. Like I feel like a lot of the things that I've learned has been educational, but it has been still tied back to mental health in a way of just you know stepping into my power and boundaries and communication and even anxiety to some extent. But I love this differentiation. For some reason, somebody had told me, and this is where we need to get, we need to learn, and this is why you're here, is that therapy is for the past, like it's for dealing with things in your past and coaching is like taking you forward. And so, but I appreciate you sharing that. And I I wanted to kind of speak up for, you know, I'm sure that there are many of us that didn't, you know, grow up with therapy and you're right. It it has had a state, whether, whether we know it or not. Um, especially in certain cultures, it's just not a common, it's not something that, you know, you know, especially in the Pakistani culture. And I think it's all the same in other, in other cultures, like in the black culture in other cultures as well, where it's just not something that you don't pay for therapy. You don't go to therapy. It's like you, you can deal with it. And I think that you're hundred percent right. That 7 billion people in the world today, every single one of us has mental health issues. We all do across, it's different across the spectrum of it, but you're absolutely right. And I appreciate you sharing the difference because I think you're right. It is cool. We need both and we should all have both. How do we get access to both? And so like, or how do we get access to therapy? Right. So can you give us some tips and suggestions for maybe those listening that may not have it today and maybe with your firm or not, but how, what's the best way for us to maybe, how do you find the right therapist? Isn't this like, yeah. it's a person, right. That you deal with all the time. How did you like, how do you find the right person <laughs> for you? I wish this was easier. So let me talk about two things. Let me talk about how to find a therapist and signs that you might want to go to therapy. Number one, I truly believe everyone should go to therapy to get mental health education and to go over their traumas in their life, to talk about their goals. And just to be clear, therapy isn't only about the past. I think that's just a a way coaches try to differentiate themselves from like our really established field therapy. You can talk about anything you want, past, present, future. It could be very coaching-esque. Everyone should get therapy signs you it's time for therapy, like no more putting it off. You're experiencing personal distress in your life. Your symptoms are impairing your functioning. 
right? Like, is your anxiety so bad you're avoiding social situations or you're missing deadlines because you can't focus or your depression's acting up? Like if it's impairing your functioning and you have personal distress, go or one of them. And then is it outside the norm for you? Are you all of a sudden like obsessive and having intrusive thoughts or your relationship with foods out of control or like whatever it is out of the norm? Those are the three signs that definitely go to therapy and get an assessment. Now, how do you find a therapist? Listen, I wish this was as easy as like Tinder and we could just swipe and find our match because it is like hey, dating. next business. Dude, I pitched that business. If I had one brain cell left, like, you know, I would do it. You have to date your therapist to see if they're a good match because if you don't trust them, if you don't like them, if you feel like they're talking down to you or you don't have a good relationship, it won't work. It doesn't matter how many degrees they have. Therapy is about a relationship of trust because this person you're going to be extremely emotionally intimate with. So it's picking people and trying it out. Go to psychologytoday.com. It's kind of like every therapist is on there and you can narrow it down from zip code. You can click the different symptoms you want to work on, even if it's like religious-based therapy, or you want to work on like gender issues or food issues or anger or couples. You can identify different needs that you have. Psychologytoday.com. And there's a ton of things like that, like better help helps you find a therapist. And there's lots of things. So you can Google in your area that I recommend Instagram. I really was the first therapist on Instagram because I kind of had that effort moment between my classes. And I would say, look for the hashtags of like Utah therapist, Florida therapist, and see who pops up. Cause then you can see their face. You can hear their voice. You can read their content, see if they have a blog on their website as you're Googling for people locally, see if they have a podcast, see if they have any press features or have written anything like you can do some research ahead of time. If this overwhelms you because you're so burnt out and you can't figure it out, just go to psychology today, pick three, shoot them an email and just book with whoever gets back to you first. Like just get going. And if they suck, you don't like them. If it's a bad match, go with the next one. Like we just have to find that person who you can consistently meet. I love it. This has been so healing already, I will say, and so much growth. Before we kind of close up for today, I want to kind of tie it back to entrepreneurship. We've got so many entrepreneurs in the room. You are a you know, seven-figure entrepreneur with multi, you're a multi-passionate entrepreneur that is literally doing it all. What are some of like the biggest lessons that you've had maybe going from, you know, when you started to six figures, if we can kind of run through a little bit of like, what are it's like, you were like, look back and you're like, man, like if I could sum up like my biggest lessons for these women here, what would that be? And then I'm going to ask you that same question on the six to seven. It could be exactly the same, but I know that there, there, there are different journeys. And so I'd love to hear Tiffany Rose, biggest business lessons. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Oh my God. So (laughs) I didn't know what a KPI was when I signed up for business coaching with CEO school. (laughs) And I have never, I do not know how to use Excel. Like I have never. You're you're so smart, Tiffany. KPIs are key performing indicators. They're just trackers. They're just little trackers. It's your indicators, your indicators. That's like, you got to deal with your KPIs. So let me say that my biggest lesson is I literally made seven figures without a spreadsheet and without having KPIs or knowing my numbers. Now that's a hard lesson because 
continuing to grow my business without those is horrible for my mental health. So what I want to say is, yes, I made seven figures without ever opening an Excel sheet, without having KPIs, without knowing my numbers. My charisma got me to that point, my passion, my relentless work ethic, but I can't keep doing that. So my biggest lesson is if you can balance your passion and your work ethic and your drive and being yourself while also having some structure and systems in place, it's going to make your life so much easier, but you don't have to be perfect or be arrived to get there. I literally made seven figures without any of those like basic business foundations. So I say, don't wait till it's perfect. Just start. If you're called to do it, let's go. Like just start and you can always build out. If I could change something, obviously I would have started with really strong systems and operating procedures and handbooks and KPIs, but that's right. We all have our unique journey and you can still be successful, even if it's not perfect and you don't have like this really outlined perfect business plan. So follow your passion and where you're afraid and your resistance shows up, that's where your power awaits. I love it. This is literally gold right here. And I applaud you for sharing that. And I, I, and I agree with you. I feel like that's how I built my business. Like this is why CEO school was formed because I didn't go to CEO school. I was like, shit, I didn't go to CEO school and I'm running a billion dollar fucking company with 200 people. I raised 200 million in venture capital. In my mind, I'm like little old Sunny, right? Yeah. Who just went for it. And what's gotten me here is the passion and it is the hustle and it is right. But I've had to learn a shit ton along the way to scale but you don't need to have it. All of it, that's the stuff that can be taught. What can't be taught is what you're doing. You can't be taught is your uniqueness, what makes you, your passion, why you're the one to go, you know, normalize therapy or break an industry upside down. And so I love that. I feel so fired up. This has been such an amazing conversation. It's always an incredible conversation with you, friend. And I, everyone cannot wait to follow Tiffany Rowe on Instagram right away. And I kid you not send me, I want you to screenshot every time you're like, oh my God, she made my day. I'm going to share it. You're going to share it with her, but I want to know because I feel so proud of uh, sharing you every time, Tiffany. And actually I'm excited to take one of your courses. I'm excited to dig in into the library and see what I can find to work on because this, this journey of healing is a journey. You don't become the CEO. Isn't something that you just step into and you become, this is the whole point here. It is a journey. It is ongoing growth that we have to continually pour into. It's all of you guys showing up tonight. It's those of you that are listening wherever you are today, it's putting in the work for yourself. And that's what makes a successful business. And that's what makes successful humans and makes the world so beautiful. Thank you. Tiffany, for being with us today, sending you all our love and thank you for your amazing promo code. And thanks for just being you. Thank you for your time, your energy, your grace. Thank you. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to hang out with all y'all over on Instagram and yeah, DM me if you have any questions about my courses and stuff. Let's, let's make your mental health a priority. Therapy is cool. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. Thanks so much. We love having you here.